Welcome back to the Evelyn Fusen Show. It's Evelyn, your host. So good to be with you today. Today, you're going to get to meet Kelsey, who is a friend of mine from college. And I asked her on the show specifically because she has really been going through a lot over the last two years. And I've been watching her expand and grow. Um, But to start off this process, she had to go through some really difficult things. She lost her grandmother, who she lovingly calls Grammy and um, really experienced a loss of community uh, in the church that she was attending. And we speak to different parts and pieces of her responsibility and ownership of that um, and just what this experience has been like. So glad to have you with us. I did want to make a small note. There is a part in part of this episode where I do use some um, aggressive language. Um, If you are listening with little ones, you may want to grab a pair of headphones. And of course, if it is going to be offensive to you, maybe this episode is not for you. Um, But I do try to be honest and open um, in my own process and just sharing from my heart. So I'm excited for you to meet Kelsey. Thanks for being here. And I'm hoping you can hear the birds too in the background here. I'm outside as I record this intro. Um, Loving the sounds of spring. So... Thanks for being here. You're in for a treat. Here we go. Well, welcome back to the Evelyn Buesen Show. Today, I have Miss Kelsey Berry on with me. And Kelsey and I actually went to college together. So welcome, Kelsey. It's so good to see you. Yeah, it's good to be here. Good to see you. And so right before we were about to hit record, I almost started with this, but I really wanted to get your honest reaction here. One of my first memories of Kelsey is, I guess I was, I was a freshman or a sophomore. I think I was a freshman and we had an art history class together with Dr. Decker and, um, I don't know. You had found me on Facebook or something. We weren't directly connected yet, but somehow we had talked or something. And you had seen these videos that I had made with some friends. They were like these music videos, super weird, like not weird. They're just goofy videos. And you're like, I really liked those. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like she's watching our videos. And that's, that was the, that's what I remember. That's my first memory. I am remembering those videos now and like they, how silly they were. As far as I know, they still exist somewhere. Yeah. I didn't take them down or remove the tags. Bonus points if anyone anyone finds those. But, okay. Uh, I do remember yeah. Pat Benatar, Heartbreaker was one of them. And probably even before, after that, I did some with my friend Portia at the time with Tupac. Um, we put in like <laughs> aluminum foil in our teeth to look like we had grills in our mouth so yeah I did that in like high school (laughs) absolutely because when we see those like you know those like memes that go around about or even the the reels that are like the kids the the videos that kids make today and how like nice they look and you like look at yourself and you're like yeah they had like no they have like no awkward face yeah there's no awkward face they're just two shades too dark or two shades too light and it was a different color than my neck and nobody told me. And I had these like blue cargo pants that had three columns of zippers, I guess two, because they could be shorts, they could be capris, or they could be pants. And I wore those suckers 
every time they were clean. And my mom, I had two younger sisters. Well, I still have two younger sisters, but they were like in diapers and stuff. Like they were little kids. So my mom was doing a lot of laundry. So they were clean like at least twice a week at a minimum. And people were like, are you wearing those blue pants again? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> they're my favorite pants. That's awesome. Well, in middle school too, I had, that's when I kind of, I was actually thinking about this earlier and, and we'll totally dive into what we're actually going to talk about. But I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I started wearing like plus size clothes in middle school and I don't remember feeling comfortable. Like our, there, there wasn't a kid section for me, right? There wasn't like a adolescent section. So I was like shopping at Gap, Kelsey. And I remember I, I had these, um, I found these like twill dress pants that were like flared. They're like brown twill dress oh. pants from Gap. Okay, I'd wear those on the regular with a graphic t-shirt, okay? I wore graphic t-shirts and sports bras until college because I did not want a real bra. Um, and also no one offered to take me to go get a real bra, really. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that was the thing. I remember too, my summer before college, I was like, I'm becoming a woman now. And so I bought bras and I went to Lane Bryant at this point, like, you know, where else can I shop besides Gap and Old Navy? So anyway, I was thinking about those pants the other day and I was like, oh God, that is so awkward. Like it's so awkward, but. Do you ever have like the fake leather pants? No. Story for another day. I have, you know, fake leather I, th pants. I think I would have rocked them if I could have found them in an inclusive size. Cause I'm not afraid to stand out. This is still true today. And, um, and sometimes you look back and you're like, maybe I should have been more afraid to stand out. That is uncomfortable. Look at that picture. That is, that is something really special. <laughs> so yeah, everyone had them. Yeah. This is yeah. And, 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 uh, side note too, I saw turning red this weekend. Have you seen the internet explode about this turning red? My sisters uh, have watched it and they were telling me that it was cute, but I haven't watched it. It's anything. great. It's, it's beautiful. And it's talking about uh, the symbolism. They use the symbolism, spoiler alert. So anyone who's listening, they use the symbolism of her turning into red panda to navigate her um, getting her first period. And so it's like a metaphor. And there are all these dynamics between her and her mom. And this, I mean, it's the awkward, it's set too so I watched there's also a documentary on Disney plus of the making of it which I highly recommend as well because all the leadership of the movie is women they were all women awesome. and the director herself based the story on her own experience of growing up in 2002 in Toronto Canada there's like a spot where they have this you know this mix cd that the girls give to each other and I'm like oh my god oh. I did that in middle school right like in this awkward boy band phase like it's all it really, to me, it really does a, um, a simple but really nuanced way of examining that relationship where she's not given much guidance to, to even navigate all that's coming up for her. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like it's a pretty accurate representation of where we find ourselves really as a culture right now. I really feel like we're really having a shift. A lot of things are being brought into our consciousness um, 
and we're having these huge identity questions come up, or maybe it's just the phase of life that I'm in that you're in, Kelsey, or something, but I, I sense it across the board, across generations even, around some of these questions, right. around where do I fit, how do I belong, how do I navigate these things that are coming up for me that I no one taught me how to handle. Right. And which is a beautiful segue for today, as a matter of fact, um, I invited Kelsey onto the show because um, during the season she's in right now, I'm watching her really break open in some really beautiful ways, which I love. But she also has navigated some really hard things over the last few years and a lot of shifting identity. Um, and so I want you to take us back first, Kelsey, a couple years ago, um, around an event that, that was really, um, really hard for you. Um, well, I brought tissues and <laughs> unless this is, um, something that people will watch, I'm already getting emotional getting emotional. Um, so when, so in 2020, June of 2020, um, I lost um, my Grammy. There'll be a lot of pauses that you might have to edit out <laughs> as I like okay. swallow the lump in my throat. Um, and um, it, I think I was in denial that it was going to happen. Um, she had fallen and she had fallen before and broken bones and she was like invincible and she was going to live to be 130 and everything was going to be great for forever. Um, and she fell and she actually broke um, a, her neck and uh, her orbital bone was fractured. And um, because of COVID, um, she was not allowed to have visitors and her routine was very disrupted and she was struggling with some dementia and um, the isolation really just, I don't know, sped that up or made that worse or whatever term you would use. But um, her mental health really declined very quickly, not having her routine and um, contact with her family. Um, and um, she came to the surgery and everything was like, this is great, but I had no concept of how how she was declining in other ways. It was just, she has mobility in her neck. We don't know how much mobility, but like, and that was kind of like the negative part was like, we'll see how fully she recovers. And um, I got to go, we, we all as a family, she was moved into a rehab facility um, where cause my, most of my family, I lived two hours away from. So back in this, in, in Grayson, um, she was in this facility and her bed was by a window so we could all go to the window and, and um, my uncle had made a sign and we were all kind of waving like it was like the zoo or something mm -hmm. um, and um, she knew who I was hmm. but she couldn't name everyone and she was very confused and that was really hard to be like you know why can't you identify all of us or your family, you know? But I was like, hi, Grammy. And she was like, hi, Kelsey. You know, she kind of, she would say my name and um, 
my stepmom was there and um, I can't remember if she called Teresa by name or not, but she kept telling Teresa how pretty she was, mm. which was nice. And I was like, I'm pretty too, right, Grammy? Like, haha, <laughs> like making a joke. And um, just because it was, it was so hard. There was, she was right there, um, but we couldn't, we couldn't go in. And um, she was there for a couple of, I don't know, maybe a month. And no, it wasn't that long. I don't know how long she was there, but she had stopped eating. She would, she would not eat. And she had lost a lot of weight. And um, she was going to go and have a feeding tube put in at the hospital in Ashland. And it was suggested to me on a Wednesday that um, I, I could come and stay the night with her um, while she had this procedure, um, be with her through the night because then she would go back to the rehab facility and I wouldn't be able to see her until COVID was over, you know? And um, I think my aunt had stayed the night before and I was going to go down and stay the, the night before the procedure. And then she would have the procedure and go home. So it was like lunch on a Wednesday. I gave no notice at work. I was just like, I'm out. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm going to go spend time with, with my Grammy. And, um, she was very confused. She, my dad and I stopped and got her um, some coffee ice cream that she had requested, and she she would not eat a, a full spoonful. Um, but she got to taste it, so that was good. Yeah. And I stayed the night um, with her, and she would talk kind of in and out of her head things that had happened in the past. Her timeline was very off. Like, how's the dog? You know, like. We had to put the dog down like seven years ago. Like she was very much in like a 10 to 15 years ago timeline in her mind, which yeah. was fine. Things were better then, you know. Um, the next morning, the doctor had said that she had no bowel sounds. Um, she wasn't eating because she wasn't hungry and she had vomited a few times while I was there. Mm. Um, and it was recommended that if we did put in the feeding tube, that that would just prolong her suffering because her body would not accept food and yeah. she would just be sicker. Um, and at the time I was going to a church that taught healing very um, strongly. And um, not, not that I don't, believe in healing you know I think that the bible is truth and that everything in there is is true I kind of I take it pretty black and white um so I was like it'll be fine like it sounds really stupid um to kind of say but I was just like um I'll pray for her um and she will be okay um I had been like, um, like fasting and not just like to be able to heal her, but just like, I was really on this like intense, um, like journey in my faith and like, I still am, but it's just different now. Yeah. Um, and they had decided to send her home with hospice and hospice care. And I just thought without a doubt in my mind, she will go home she will be in her surroundings. Everything will be, you know, will click. Um, she'll decide that she's hungry. I will be able to, to pray with her and it'll, 
it'll be in her home. Like it'll be like, there won't be nurses kind of in and out. Like I'll be able to pray like nonstop. It'll be fine. Um, there was not a doubt in my mind that she was going to be okay. And that was just really naive. Um, but we got her home and I was awake for the better part of four days. I was sleeping maybe two hours a day. Um, I would stay up with her all night and holding her hand and just like, you gotta wake up and be hungry, oh please. Um, but she did pass away and we were all there, which was beautiful and terrible at the same time. Yeah. Um, but I didn't handle it very well. Um, I have not experienced a lot of loss in my family. Um, like I was 26 when my great grandmother passed away and she was 101. Um, but I knew Grammy would be different cause I like, I idolized her so much. And it was like, um, it was like it, it altered my DNA when she passed away. Like I just kind of came out different. A little bit of PTSD thrown in there as well, so, but, yeah. Well, when you say you didn't handle it well, unpack that for me. What does that mean? Um, I just felt like I should have the, I should have had the faith in a relationship with Jesus to not be sad. Um, I, I should have been like, she's, she is healed. You know, she's, she is whole and she is with my grandfather who had passed away when I was like three. Um, I should have been just at peace and okay with, I, I'll see her when it's my turn. I'll see her when I get to go home and um, been a little stronger in that. Hmm. And, um, like you're not supposed to be mad at God or, you know, Why not? don't blame. Um, you just, I'm, I've just always, you know, been taught not to. Um, if it was told, uh, taught um, that if, if I had prayed for healing and it didn't happen, it wasn't, it was because I didn't have enough faith. It was, so that felt very much, um, I'm sorry. Don't apologize. Um, it felt like it was my fault. Like I had let her down and my entire family down because they were also hurting so much. Yeah. And um, I remember as she passed, I had been counting her breath for four days straight, making sure that it didn't drop below like 10, six to 10 per minute. Um, because if, if it got down to four or five, I needed to, to rally everybody to come in. Um, and I remember we had been counting and it, it got down to about four when we all kind of circled back up. And when she passed, I had, was holding her hand and I just said, I was sorry over and over because 
because I just felt like I should have been at a place in my faith to where I could have prevented that and um, prevented my family from hurting, which now just sounds weird to say. Mm. Um, but yeah. Well, you know, <clears throat> I had, um, when I was going initially through the stages of losing dad, or shortly after, I had a coach who proposed to me that there was another coach who consciously had been preparing and is preparing for the death of her parents. And before that, I think I would have thought that that's a really great strategy. <laughs> but after walking through what I've walked through and even hearing you say it shifts your DNA. Yeah. I don't know that there's a way that you can prepare. Like, I really don't. In my mind, maybe that's naive of me. Maybe I haven't experienced enough loss to be able to give um, a better system. But, you know, when you look back on the girl who you were experiencing that loss for the first time, you didn't have any equipment. There wasn't anything. And, and almost too, I think that even if we had been given equipment, how would we know that it's what we needed anyway? Like, I think grief in my mind has been this very real um, softening to the mystery of life and death of, of this place of going, huh, I never really thought much about this. <laughs> now it's all I can think about. Right. Right. Um, and so I, I just want to sit here with this for just a second because I, I want to sit beside the girl who felt like she needed to pray harder so that her Grammy would still be here and just say, I think you did what you could. And I think it's really beautiful that you sat with her and that you held her and that you you cared so much for her and she cared so much for you. And that's so beautiful. And I, I love, I love the relationship that you shared with her, the safety that you had in your relationship with her because she was very integral to your, to your life as a, as a functioning human. <laughs> Yeah, for uh, sure. And not everyone experiences that with a grandparent or even with a parent, but I do think that walking through what you have had to face and unpacking some of that, um, I just hope that you will give yourself space too. It sounds like you've let go of some of that judgment of yourself expectation 
the shoulds around what should have been like, or your faith should have been X, Y, or Z, um, to really also give other people the permission to go. If a friend was sitting in front of me saying the same things I'm saying to myself, would I be as hard on them as I'm being as hard on me? Because most of the time it's like, girl, that was out of your hands. Right. Um, and there's another reason I wanted us to talk about this too. You know, I did a podcast episode um, last year at some point and you sent me a text message um, around some of the pieces that you're relating to around coming out of a community that felt really safe to you and and all of a sudden it didn't really feel that way anymore so I wonder if we could talk a little bit about that what that was like um yeah so um I think leading up to her passing away and I was just like really kind of in it. Um, there were some beautiful things that came out of that that I could very much feel in a very tangible way, like the Holy Spirit in that room. Um, I remember my one of my aunts and my dad, like, I don't even want to bless food in front of people. Like, don't ask me to pray off the cuff. Um, please do not ask me with 24 hours notice and I will write something down and I will read it like I don't. Um, and I was praying with my family multiple times during the day. Uh, I was praying just 30 seconds before she passed. I had prayed just thanking God for her and that, um, you know, that if, if she was going to pass, it would be like her falling asleep and it would be just an easy transition. And my dad and my aunt were like, you pray beautifully. And I was like, that's not me. 100%. That was not me. That you know, like I said, if they're like, hey, bless the Mexican food. I'm like, nah, God's great. Hope the food's good. Amen. You know, um, but then at the same time, I had been reading um, her Bible to her and we were listening to a lot of worship music. So then after she passed, um, I had some very real PTSD symptoms. I feel like that gets thrown around a lot. People are like, oh, that stressed me out. I have PTSD. It's like, no, I, um, I would be at church and be nauseous because it was like I was immersed in that moment. Everything would take me back to this feeling of like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to experience this, which is what I was feeling like at my Grammys. Um, sitting down to listen to worship music to make myself feel better after she passed was not an option. It felt like something was stepping on my chest, my sternum, it physically hurt. It wasn't the hole in your chest of grief. It was like, I was, my chest was tight. Like I was having a heart attack. Um, I felt like I couldn't take a deep breath. I was sat down to read my Bible. And within a minute, I was very anxious. Um, it was not a comforting place to be. And that made me sad because I, I wanted that to be what it, was um but I had tied these really negative events to the thing that I had always kind of run to for comfort and um 
I, I definitely pulled away um, from everyone. Um, but I think at church, people had gotten used to high energy, Kelsey, and like, good morning, and let's get to service, because I was volunteering basically every time the doors were open, Sunday and Wednesday, um, which was the only day the doors were open. Like, if, if church was there, if they're there, I was there. Um, behind the scenes, um, running a lot of the tech for service and stuff, and I don't know if they thought I was mad about, I don't know, there's a lot of like COVID, like mask, anti-mask politics stuff that was going on. If they thought that was what was up with me or, or what, but um, there wasn't a lot of conversation. I'm really bad about asking for help as well. So I, I do recognize that I wasn't like, hey, can you all support me because I'm falling apart. Um, but it, it wasn't, um, no one saw me, which was upsetting. Um, there was, uh, one girl, um, that, cause I had been there for about seven years. So I had known her like basically this whole time. And she stopped me on the way out when I was leaving and she's like, Hey, are you okay? And I just started crying. Cause one, it was like, thank God, here's my lifeline. You know, like I didn't have to ask. I'm, like I said, that really bothers me. I don't, I don't want to feel like a burden to somebody. Um, but she had asked. She was going to help me. It was going to be fine. And she was like, well, make sure you're really getting in your word and make sure you're listening to worship music and just sit with, with God. And I was like, I can't do that. It makes me sick. Like, I'm, I have a physical reaction to that. And she's like, I was like, I think I'm depressed. Like, I think, I think I need medication. And um, it was like, if, if you're depressed, it's because you're letting the um, enemy have control. So it was kind of, um, it was kind of reinforced that it was my fault. Again, my faith wasn't at a place to heal my grandmother. It wasn't even at a place where I could control my own body and mind. And it was very um, defeating. I just felt like who, who am I if I'm not this? What do I have if I, if I don't have this? Because apparently I'm, I don't. <laughs> um, and I remember, you know, like I said, like you're not supposed to be mad at God. And um, I remember I was like, I'm out loud, praying out loud or talking out loud, praying maybe anxious but I said I'm mad at you and I I know that you know so there's no reason to try to push it down um I am mad at you and I I blame you and I'm sorry that that's wrong because I know you don't want to hurt me but this hurts and I'm mad I don't know where to put it and I'm mad at you and um 
I felt like if I went and got like antidepressants that it would like there was a lot of shame around that um and um I was just kind of sitting and yelling at Jesus <laughs> not what you're supposed to do as a as a Christian but why not why not no no supposed to blame I mean his his intention isn't uh he wasn't punishing me um or anything and just I don't know I don't know why not I'm just not supposed to blame Jesus I blame Jesus all the time <laughs> no I, I mean that in a, a very like pithy way um you know I think I just want to interject for a second um you know for an intimate relationship right there is no intimacy without conflict there's none right. so in a spiritual relationship I have allowed or for a long time allowed myself to say god you're a fucking motherfucker <laughs> like seriously seriously and I'll put the explicit on this but I mean I literally had a document at one time and this is before dad even died and it had nothing to do with it and I was just mad and the title the document was called god is a motherfucker <laughs> and it's not ultimately really how I feel, right? But I needed a place. I needed to be able to let myself go there right. to actually express some of these things that I was like packing inward, trying to protect God from these things that he couldn't understand, or I'm not supposed to have them. When in reality, I think that the source that is god divine whatever whatever you're walking through and as far as your spiritual faith i mean why can't they handle something that's so human <laughs> why can't why don't we feel the permission to to explode to express right to to be that toddler that we are of going like this fucking sucks and i don't like it one single bit right you know I just want to own that that's part of my process that doesn't have to be part of anybody else's process <laughs> um but for me it's important because it is the truth it is the truth about how I felt of going like I don't I don't understand this I don't understand the way that this is all unfolding now, the truth of it is that I, I do believe that life happens for us, not to us, but that doesn't mean that there aren't days or events that happen. And my initial response is to go, what the hell? Like, whose idea was this? Right. Huh. I don't want to go through this right now. No, thanks. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to have to face this or add another thing onto something I'm already going through. Um, but, but it really does come back to, I think the core belief of how we structure our reality too, because in my mind and in my heart and my spirit, and I've seen this play out throughout my life that, that I do believe, I do believe that all things do work together towards the good for us, 
and for the um, the energy of life to expand. And I do think that the things that happen to us, even if they look negative or they feel negative at the time, can also be some of our biggest moments to break open to, because what I see Kelsey too is in this really raw place that you experienced and in this like whole conversation too of letting people in even in community and knowing how to ask for help sidebar I think something that we we've got to do better at is teach people how to sit with others in suffering and just be in suffering with them not to try and fix it not to try and change it um but to know like it's okay that we suffer that we hurt it's not my job to fix it because most of the time when we're trying to fix somebody else's suffering it's because we're uncomfortable and it really has little to do. We just want a relief. We want them to be better because we want it fixed. We want it out. We, we don't want to deal with it because we don't know how to fix it or how to make it better. Um, but in this span, what I think is really powerful is it really started making you look at the real proponents of your relationship with God, who is God? How, how am I in this life? And what does this actually look and feel like? Not just going through, I think there is, there's parts of us that only go through the motions until that can't carry us forward anymore. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Would you say that that's been true for you? Yes, yeah. I mean, cause it was like, I felt like I was checking off boxes. I was doing all the, all the right things. I was very active in a church. Um, I had what I had considered a church family. They were always like, you know, we're family. And like, you know, it's like, well, cool. Cause I kind of fell off the face of the planet and apparently that's okay. <laughs> that's not a big deal. Um, uh, you know, I was, I was volunteering as much as possible. Um, I mean, I was doing all the things I was supposed to do. And then this thing happened, this event, and I didn't feel like I was equipped to handle any of it. Um, I don't know. And it, it wasn't like I didn't, and we talked about this before uh, we started recording, like I recognize that I'm not my feelings and me as a person, I'm not anyone's responsibility. Like the people that I attended church with, it wasn't their responsibility to drag me to church. It wasn't their responsibility to ask where I was. Um, and then in the same vein, they knew that I was the only one going, going to church. Like my mom would come every once in a while. Um, but I mean, she has stuff and she's busy. Um, but as far as like my family unit, I was, aside from the family that's two hours away from me and my location, my geographical location, mm -hmm. um, I'm the spiritual leader. Um, and I was going by myself and I did not have 
the structure, the support system at home, spiritually speaking. Um, but that being said, like my husband was the, the best. Um, mm. He didn't try to fix it. He just said, this sucks. And yeah. he just let me be horribly sad <laughs> and, and cry and, and whatever. And he didn't say, it's okay. She's in a better place. Cause I was like, I don't care. <laughs> like I want her here, you know? Um, but um, yeah, it just, I think there's a, a part where you're like kind of the cookie cutter Christian and you're doing all the things, but then like when stuff gets real and you discover that being depressed is not just sad. I'm sad. Oh, I'm depressed. This is depressing. Like you, people throw that word around. Like it's just nothing. Um, you're depressed because you're letting the enemy in. You're letting him have control of your life. Like if you can say that, that's great for you because you've never experienced depression. Um, and I don't know. I just feel like even the, the leaders within the church were not equipped to deal with those types of issues, like to support their family, to support the members. Like Kelsey's mental health is declining rapidly. <laughs> what resources do we have for her? Well, we've got the Bible she can't take reading and worship music that she can't stand to listen to. Um, maybe that's PTSD and depression. We should look into that. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, out of the other side of my mouth, it wasn't their responsibility to diagnose or babysit or, you know, cradle me up under their wing. But um, it does kind of suck because they would go home and like their whole family went to church. Like if they were fighting spiritual battles they had people to stand alongside them and do that. But my whole, you know, army of spiritual buddies was there at church. And then when I went home, it's just, I guess me. Yeah. Yeah. I think <clears throat> and in some of the churches that I've actually been on staff for in the past, that's one of the reasons that we find that like small groups are really important. Did you attend a small group too, Kelsey? Um, no, we didn't really, we had like the beginnings of some of those things, but there wasn't, it, we weren't like a small group heavy church, but my, yeah. what I would classify like my small group was the 10 people that I served with every Sunday and Wednesday yeah. Was yeah. In, like, in like the worship team. Like we were all very close knit. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when you show up at like eight o'clock on a Sunday and don't leave till noon every week. And then every Wednesday from like five to eight or whatever. Mm -hmm. um those were the the people and like I was in a group that we would I guess it was an unofficial small group we were meeting like every Saturday to like eat at a Chinese restaurant and we would play guitar together sometimes and it was really fun um so yeah. I mean it wasn't like I didn't have deep connections with with people there yeah um but so I think it was more like a more acquaintances than deep connections <laughs> well and have a whole life that 
they're managing as well. So it's, it's hard. I go back and forth. Yeah, I, I, I acknowledge you and, and understanding there's two parts. So, and you could have, you could have reached out, but I, I think too, this is another area, another zone. Like this is something I had to learn too. Losing dad actually really helped me. It's like, it's so clarifying to see the relationships in your life that don't support you back. Uh, it just becomes so apparent, <laughs> even when you're asking for support. Um, sometimes people can't meet you where you need them to, um, and they really mess mess up. Um, and and there's a whole there's a whole journey down that path. But I think I think it's another another beautiful thing too, though, because you start to learn. Okay, like I'm not going to be in a position or in a community where I'm part of or deeply investing in where I'm not also being invested in too like where I'm taking those steps or or making those connections or whatever that looks like do you have you been able to find another community or or where are you now in that process so I'm not um, been in a regular Sunday service in a very long time. Um, I started going to, um, my previous church. Like I said, I was there for a long time. Um, and I, I did not, uh, wait for Charles to come with me. Um, I had just hoped and had been praying that he would also come and that tactic tactic did not work. Um, so now we have, and, and Charles is more, um, open to things now than ever. We read the Bible together, um, most nights, mm-hmm. um, we're just kind of working our way through and he asks questions and I answered them as, as best that I can. Um, but, um, I'm letting him decide where we go and when we go. Um, I'm, I'm trying to empower him to be that spiritual head of our house I don't want to drag him to church. Um, I want him to, to want to be a part of that. Um, I think I've said, um, about 15 times. You can edit some of those ums out. Yeah, maybe we'll leave them for flavor, you know? There's been a couple places that I've been invited and I've gone to, you know, a service here or there. I went to listen to someone speak and not that I won't end up attending one of those places regularly. I'm just really waiting on, on Charles for God to put it on Charles's heart for him to say, cause I ask, like, you want to go to church tomorrow? You know, do you want to, do you want to get up? And, uh, sometimes we just listen to a live sermon. Um, that's kind of been our church, but yeah, I feel like I'm, finding my footing again. Um, not that I'm trying to think of the best way to word this. Not that my relationship with Jesus has like weakened or anything of that nature, but just kind of feeling empowered again, realizing that it's okay that I'm take antidepressants and that that's what made me feel better and realizing that it's okay that 
I wasn't walking around like a disciple healing people. Um, <laughs> kind of like, uh, I guess, kind of forgiving myself for that and realizing that, you know, Jesus doesn't put that expectation, expectation on me. Um, and he wasn't disappointed in me that I didn't have, you know, superpowers, I guess. Um, so just working through that with Charles and kind of letting it be a joint decision on when and where we go is kind of where I'm at with that. But. Yeah. Well, no, and I think that that's a really beautiful process. You know, I, <clears throat> I stopped going to formal church. I don't know, beginning maybe in 2018 or 2019, like my intuition and my spirit was just like, it's like I was craving a reset because for me, that's a good word. Church was part of my identity like since I walked out the womb because <laughs> dad was in ministry and that's that was normal that is life that is but even being on staff uh, for different organizations and supporting religious movements after those things finished I just felt like I wanted to step back um, and I can't explain it. There was nothing wrong. Right. At least not in the way that like I, I could verbalize. Um, but I also, it's so interesting because even now, like, and this is my own experience and some people won't like this, but even now when I attend a worship service, or a church service, I'm very critical um, on on how we're even structuring these things. And and to be really honest, like I I still don't know where I fit, like in the scheme of like what I believe. I am more open and curious than I've ever been, and at the same time, I feel more spiritually connected than I ever have. And I think that's really interesting um, because too, I think something <laughs> which that's not come without its own uh, trade-offs. There have been some people and relationships in my life who have felt compelled to try and save me back to, from hell. Because since I'm questioning, since I'm asking these questions and trying to find where I fit and exploring different things, um, that scene is very threatening and I get it because I grew up steeped in this place of you know the way is narrow <laughs> well what is it it's something about like the road to hell is wide but the way is narrow I don't know if that's in the bible or if that's just a quote um <laughs> something about that um you narrow in there but yeah, I don't know that one. That might be I don't know. Who even knows? I don't even know anymore. Um, but there's so many things too that I feel like stepping away. And I was talking to Sergio about that this week. You know, even the word crisis 
the roots of the word crisis literally mean to sift. And so when we're going through these new chapters that challenge our identity, the way that we've segmented our life or built our life in such a way, and then a block is removed, especially like such a cornerstone of the fabric of the identity that we have like gone out into the world with and things just start unraveling we feel unraveled we feel unsettled um and I think that that's all just part of being human and it gets to be this really it can be I think it can be very it's very scary at first I felt very very um like this deep it was a grief of its own but a sadness and I've talked about this before Easter 2020 I remember watching Easter because it was online I remember crying because I remember thinking I don't think I belong here anymore and I'm 30 years old and going like whoa, if I don't belong here, like my family won't understand the world I grew up in won't understand. A lot of the primary relationships I have in my life are built on the same idea that this is how life works. And I'm starting to question that. Whoa, like I feel very ungrounded, very, um, I don't know, but I, I just offer that too, to if people are experiencing that, like, welcome, welcome, <laughs> welcome to the uh, process that's ever organic and expanding, uncomfortable. And at the same time, though, if we will really unpack these things and really start asking or, or um, allowing ourselves to expand or explore, and really own the parts and pieces of ourselves that maybe we picked up and we want to let go of, or maybe we're reintegrating with an identity that was like always ours, whatever that looks like. Then too, as we're building and seeking community, we're letting people into the truest parts of who we are because we went there, we allowed ourselves to go. And I think that although it's scary because leaving the norm, leaving that comfort of what we've known um, is confronting. And I think far too often too, we feel like we're alone, but really and truly we're, it's just part of growth. I don't know. What do you, I've, I feel like I've just verbal vomited all over this episode. So I don't know. I, huh? I, I said, I like it. Um, your your voice is very soothing I've said I've told you before that you needed to record like a um a guided meditation app I think you can do like breathe breathe in (laughs) no well um, like a feeling alone or not feeling seen um I think that's part of it too I was kind of I had grieved such a loss and I think people are like oh like it's sad when your grandparents pass away but like it happens, you know, like whatever. I, I don't think people um, understood like that it was, she was a lot more than that. Like I was like 
the majority of my childhood memories that like are like core memories are with her. Um, she encouraged me so much to pursue a creative career. Like she like gave me permission. It was like, you know, I don't think I can, I don't think I can handle the medical field. Like uh, I discovered I don't like germs <laughs> and everybody was kind of like, you'll get over it. And she was like, you should be doing something creative. You really should. And I was like, oh, and like, if anything I wanted to make, if she was doing something and I ask, I want to do that too. It didn't matter if she was quilting or knitting or crocheting or embroidery, whatever it was, she stopped and like, found a level at which I could participate and helped me do that. So I lost just like a cornerstone of my identity. And then I felt like, you know, Jesus, another cornerstone of my identity. I thought that I had, you know, that my faith was this thing that at this level. Um, and then I was kind of told that it, that it wasn't. Um, and I think it's weird that someone could tell me where, my faith was based on things that have happened around me that I don't have control over. Um, and then like I was talking about before, like just admitting and having a very real conversation with a very real person that is Jesus Christ, that I am mad at you. <laughs> and I, I blame you. And I don't know where you are because you were supposed to be here. And my mental cup is overflowing to where I break over the smallest thing because I don't feel like I have support and I'm, I'm a, I feel very alone and I don't feel seen or supported um and in that kind of like fit of like I can't I can't read my bible I know you want me to read it but I can't and I know you want me to worship because your word says to worship and to sing to you but I can't because I feel like I'm having a heart attack like my chest is hurting I'm very nauseous and um, I just kind of yelled for a minute at him, I guess, um, in our bedroom. And um, I remember I stopped and I took a deep breath and I was just like, there, like, it's out. Like, I know you already knew, but I've, I vocalized it and now you heard it. Great. Um, and I didn't audibly hear a voice, like I'm already on antidepressants. I don't need more medicine for the voices in my head because that didn't happen. But it was kind of like, a, um, just kind of like dropped into my stomach. Like I am here. Mm -hmm. And I remember I just kind of sat there for a minute. Like it was like, I had a thought that wasn't my thought. Like I had a thought that didn't, that I didn't think you know, it's the only way I can explain it. And it was very intentional. Like I am here. It was kind of like, you know, no. Um, and I just, I wasn't sure what to do, how to reconnect with him because the ways that I was used to connecting, I, I couldn't turn to, I didn't, I felt very lost in that sense and alone. Um, and it, as, as silly as it sounds, I remember I was on Facebook, just burning brain cells scrolling through the feed and there was an ad for um the chosen app have you seen that show <laughs> it's like it's a whole show but it's only on this chosen app you can't watch it on like netflix or on tv you just download the chosen app highly recommend 
it's a show about that it's around the disciples but jesus is obviously a pretty main character in the show mm -hmm. um but it was like within hours of me having this like temper tantrum like the spiritual toddler that i am and that came on my phone and i was it felt like a sense of urgency like i should download this and that show brought me so much peace because mm -hmm. i could experience jesus and his goodness and his words because the show is excellent it's not like a cheesy christian like oh here's jesus and he's glowing or whatever it is like it's so good and they really humanize him and he he makes jokes and he smiles and he laughs and mm. you know and he interacts with people and he has so much grace and it was like that was how i could connect kind of put my i know you're a, a, a jump all into the cold water pool and i'm like a toe dipper we've had that <laughs> But the chosen app was really kind of me like putting my toe back in the water. Um, I know like the guy on the show is not Jesus and whatever else, but um, in feeling so crappy about everything and not knowing where to look to find God, that there was this, this really simple show that I could sit and, and binge and kind of experience um experience him and it felt very much like the timing was very much like i'll meet you where you are mm. like i'm always right here and if you need this app like here it is um and i had not heard of it or anything until i saw that ad usually i'm getting ads for stuff that i google so but um or talk about because they can hear me but I'll probably get ads now since my phone's set next to me. But they're like, have you seen Chosen? I'm like, yes. But, um, but yeah. Well, I love, I love that very real, you said it humanizes him. I think there'd be people in the religious circles who would be like, well, Jesus is not human. He's savior. <clears throat> That's know, true. That's <laughs> true. However, he was meant to be God incarnate to meet us in the rawest parts of where we are as human beings. So I really love um, that even in that, like he met, like he said, he met me where I was. Um, and I do, I think that God source wherever we land with whatever name we give such a, uh, integral part of how the universe is wired um i do think that that has always been to be um a place of love like i feel like i experience love in so many different ways i think it is the thread that does run through everything that is real and true um I want to, I want to end though, I talked about it at the very beginning with your like latest expansion, you're dipping your toes in some new things and having new experiences. And I would argue that some of the catalyst for that has actually been because of the suffering that you went through. Um, 
you know, I was reading back through my text messages with you actually earlier today, as I was kind of like grounding myself and thinking about what we would talk about. And I feel like it was back in the fall. You said something like, I really want to find a remote job because I want to be more like my Grammy. I want to be able to be home more. And so tell me about that. Um, so yeah, even before she had passed away, I just thought my Grammy is so like sweet and like nice. And I'm just not, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I'm not very sweet. Um, and she would talk a lot about um, kind of raising her family and managing her house. And I just thought, you know, maybe it's okay if I want to nurture and take care of a home and, and be a good wife. And like, that's work too. I feel like I've always kind of thought like I had to hustle. So like, you know, and I think that's a big part of culture is, you know, get out there and climb the ladder and do whatever. And um, when she passed, it really hit hard that I just wanted to be her. <laughs> um, I wanted to be um, a woman that people saw when they saw my grandmother. That, you know, if I had, had a question about anything, dad would be like, you know, I talked to your Grammy about that, you know, just uh, about anything. Um, spiritual or, or not. I remember one time I called her and asked how to cook green beans and they were in a can and <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> she was like, just put them in the pot. You know? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, so I had been praying about that and not, not looking, not applying. I had started my photography business and thought maybe one day, 10 years from now, it'll take off and I'll have an income and you know, I, I won't have to work. And someone came into my office that I had worked with and was like, how are things? And I was like, I'm terrible. Thanks for asking. Um, he's like, how would you feel about a career change? And it was for a job that would allow me to work remote. And um, I had a conversation with them and the salary was way off, like way off. And I was like, no, you know, never mind. That's fine. And they kept coming back that you know, we'll do this. It'll be like this. How about this? And more money and more PTO and um, kind of made it work. And I remember I was very scared to quit my job because I, I enjoyed what I did. Um, and then some things happened where I was working that were very toxic, like extremely toxic. And um, I just remember walking up the stairs to give my notice and I kept repeating, like whispering under my breath to myself, you prayed for this. You prayed for this. Like you better get your butt up the stairs and give your notice because you asked God for this when you have felt so unheard and alone. And he dropped this in your lap. So you're going to take it <laughs> and you're going to say thank you. And it has been so good for me, like being home being able to like take a break and put a little clothes in because working nine to five coming home and having to cook. And then if something needed to be tidied up, I was like, I don't have the mental capacity to do this right now. And I can't, um, I'm home and it's quiet and the view out my window and 
there are birds and it's very snow white disney princess like my dog's at my feet and it's just very like the sun comes in you know in the morning and i'm like have my diffuser going with whatever scent of the day and um the stress level has gone so far down and i feel like i'm a better wife and i just feel better <laughs> it's just um it's good it's definitely where god wanted me to be um i can feel that now and um i was so scared and i remember i called you and i was like i need you to tell him what to do because evelyn knows everything and, <laughs> and i need some guidance and um i almost wanted you to say like you're gonna get like a raise and a promotion so just stay where you are and like ride it out like be that and you were very much like yeah jump ship it's time for something new that's <laughs> you need to you need to go and um I was like well crap okay and um so many voices were very instrumental in in that but at the end of the day I was like how am I gonna ask for God to do something and him hand it to me um the guy that came to my office lives in like North Carolina and came up to visit um someone in Georgetown and then popped in and offered me this you know job it's just yeah crazy timing and you've been getting piercings and tattoos and really just going off the deep end and I love it I'm not I'm just joking you know that uh, but. well I did, I did get a tattoo and I have gotten piercings so those are those are accurate statements well and that and that was that was um those were also though I remember very um, it, it took a lot for you to be able to press into those things, but now you want more, right? You just want to be yes, <laughs> covered in tattoos and, and more piercings, right? Uh, I don't know about covered in tattoos, um, <laughs> but the tattoo that I did get was, uh, for my Grammy mm -hmm. and, um, I'm going to tell them what it is. I really love it. It's really beautiful. I'm going to plug in my computer. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was plugged in, but apparently it was not all the plethora of, of chargers that I have on my table. Oh, and um, I hear Bo I just heard Boone in his little ears. So cute. Yawned. He's a sleepy boy. Um, so the tattoo is a um, needle and thread that is going through a button to kind of sew through the button. And when my papaw passed away when I was three, um, my Grammy took a button off of the jacket that she was wearing. It's like a blazer outfit and put it in his hands. And he was buried in the same outfit that they wore for their like 40th anniversary party. And, um, when she passed she had told me about this years ago like years like decades ago um and i had kind of forgotten but she had a needle and thread pinned to her collar on her jacket and we found a little note that ripped my heart out and threw it on the floor it said um 
uh, I love all three of you, which would have been my dad, my two aunts. Um, don't go cry um, with daddy now. Mm -hmm. And um, remember that daddy has the button and I need to be, I need the needle and thread like so she could sew it together. She could mend her blazer when they were back together. Mm. Um, so I kind of liked the, the needle and thread with the button. And it's kind of like a portrait of them together in heaven. And when I went to get the tattoo, I had him change the needle and thread like three or four times. It wasn't, he had had like a, a whole spool of thread. And I was like, dude, you don't need that much to sew a button on. <laughs> like it's just a little bit. And um, uh, we, I got it put on and like two weeks later, if not a month later, someone looked at it and said, that thread spells love. It's written out. Like there's a word on your arm. And I was like, no, there's not. And then I looked and it definitely does look like it is written in, um, in cursive. There's a Lowe's truck in my driveway. Boom, <laughs> this really like deep emotional story. And then Boone will probably go crazy, but isn't that life though? Like, it is, yeah. Yes. But I contacted the tattoo artist and said, did you mean for this to spell love? And he was like, I would absolutely not put a word on you without your permission. Like there is no way. And he was like, um, maybe Grammy had a little bit of influence oh. um, over that. So that was kind of another nudge of like, you know, you are seen. Hmm. But that was probably the most therapeutic thing that I had done was get that tattoo. Um, it kind of put a, uh, it put my pain and into like a physical place which felt like a release you know um which I always feel sounds really weird when I tell that to people but the tattoo artist said that he actually had um hears that on a pretty regular basis but um yeah, yeah. Hmm. it was like, like a like a sore or something and I needed it to be cut open to like release yeah. some of of that grief but it was good I was like oh yeah. are you good it's so beautiful well Kelsey I really appreciate you being here today is there anything else that you want to share before we wrap um I just think that if anyone is experiencing um depression we feel alone there is um less now than what there has been in the past but don't let there be any shame around going and asking for help um definitely seek that out it's it's not okay to live your life feeling that way i remember like i i never felt like suicidal so like don't hear me say that um but i did feel like i don't want to do this anymore yeah like I don't, I don't have the energy or the desire to continue doing whatever this is. And it very well might have led to something more serious. Um, so I'm just glad my mom actually encouraged me to, to go and get, and get something. She's like, just go talk to the doctor and see what they say. <laughs> she knew yeah. they were going to say something, but um, I think that's the biggest takeaway. Cause I feel like I know 
me being ashamed to ask for help and to kind of admit that I needed that is not a unique situation. Other people feel that way. Um, and also just that, I mean, you're not doing it by yourself. It might feel like God and or Jesus isn't in your corner, but he is. And um, like we talked about, I think it's, it's okay to vocalize that you're mad and he's not mad at you for being mad. Um, you can't disappoint or surprise God. So just have open conversations and he'll meet you where you are. Hmm. Love that. Yep. No intimacy without conflict. Right. Um, I did, <clears throat> I pulled up when we were talking and even with the needle and thread, it, I think it really, um, it ties in too, but have you ever, I'm sure you have, there's like a page in the Velveteen Rabbit that's really just beautiful. Have you, have you heard this before? I mean, probably, it's probably been a minute. Okay. Well, this is how I want to end um, because I think that it's applicable and it's part of our growth and our um and our trajectory our trajectory, trajectory, trajectory our trajectory as humans uh as we're becoming or unbecoming and learning or unlearning and making peace with or healing uh, or opening wounds that need to be healed it's a very non-linear process um, and we're just, we're having a collective experience of becoming. And so here's what it says. He said, you become, it takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or have sharp edges or have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all, because once you are real, you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand. And it's true when you have the courage to go here, to really wrestle, to reconcile, to be mad, to experience life in all of the complexity that it comes with. That's when we take those steps to becoming real, the realest, truest parts of who we are and integrating the things that maybe even we're scared of or that we need to be reminded to that we're loved and seen right where we are and accepted and whole even when we're feeling so broken. So thank you again for being here, Kelsey. Thank you for having me. for being part of this community and for being here with me. It means the world. It really does. Um, if there's somebody else that needs to be in this conversation, please share this with them. Um, I would love to continue growing this community 
And also if you have just a quick two or three minutes, um, if you wouldn't mind sharing a review um, anywhere you listen to your podcasts, you know, a lot of times we're making decisions about where to invest our time and our money and our resources. And we check out reviews uh, to make decisions on where we're going to invest our life. So if this has been something to your life, um, which I'm so glad that it does, I would love for you to leave a review and share this podcast with your community so that we can continue to grow um, in knowledge and love with one another. So until next time. 